Science April's Online, a podcast about figuring things out with a focus in ADHD and astrology. Hey, it's the last day of April, and I had recorded part of an episode yesterday, but my process so far has been like, record an episode, I try to think of an outline beforehand, but Honestly, I like kind of going off the cuff a bit, and then I'll kind of talk myself sometimes into a hole, and I'll re-listen to what I talked about, try to capture some of the parts that I like and want to still keep into something a little bit more cohesive, and then I just kind of record again. I mean, sometimes I'll record a few times. Um which doesn't seem efficient, like maybe I should just learn how to edit myself better, but for now this is what works for me. Um, It's been like a weird last few days. Uh, I don't know, there just feels like there's sort of this frenetic energy and um, talking about or listening to Anne Orderly and Jessica Lignato's weekly forecast this last, for this week, um, April 29th through, what is it, May 5th, um, they kind of talk about how Mercury, that planet of mentality, thinking, communication, it's aspecting a lot of major planets, and so that, that may be the sort of freneticism I'm feeling, um, Mercury is in that really cardinal, fiery sign Aries still, and so today, actually, it's, uh, going exact sextile, which is like a 60 degree angle to the planet Mars, the planet of action and aggression and, you know, doing things, getting shit done. That, that Mars planet is in Gemini, which is kind of this, this scattered air energy. And it's interesting because Mercury rules Gemini while Mars rules Aries. So it's like the two signs, the two planets have flip signs and if you can integrate them well, you can almost flip them back to their appropriate signs. So today, Tuesday, is like a really good day to, I think, who was it? Was it Anne or Jessica? One of them said it's like a good day to get your inbox cleared. Um, and they both talked about how Pluto, uh, both Pluto and Saturn are in Capricorn. And so this, this kind of goes back to my um, hostility episode where I said something about that Twitter guy and how he said that, um, Saturn was going retrograde in Capricorn on April 29th. And I was like, I don't see that. Well, so Pluto stationed on April 24th and, um, when a planet stations, that's when it's about to, it looks, it appears like it's going or it's standing still in this like schematic math world of astrology. And, it's stationing, it looks like it's still, and it's about to look like it's going backwards, and that's when a planet goes retrograde. So Pluto, I think, is moving now and is going retrograde, while Saturn yesterday stationed. And so for today and I think the next three days, it'll still look like it's standing still, and then it'll start moving retrograde. So I guess that's what the guy on Twitter was talking about. Um... But yeah, when planets go retrograde, it's always a 
deep time for really, really taking stock and, and assessing things. And with Saturn, that's reassessing structure, what works for you, what doesn't, let, how do you let go of what doesn't work for you, and kind of like Marie Kondo that shit. Like, thank you for whatever purpose you had served, and, you know, like kind of serenity prayer. I forgive myself, and I give myself the, with the wisdom to let go of what doesn't serve me anymore so that I can move on. But not, like, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like, what structures are there and, like, are legitimately still going to serve me going forward? So, that's, like, big energy this week, too. Like, Mercury, yes, is in sextile to Mars. But both Mercury and Mars move pretty fast. So, that transit's not going to last forever. Um, but it is, like, a big pow but because Mercury is then also tomorrow, Wednesday, going to square Saturn, we're feeling that energy energy even like a couple days leading up to it. And that's definitely been the case for me. Like, I don't know why, but I've just been thinking, I think over this weekend, I was just thinking about Julian Assange and how last week's SNL episode, I mean, I was shocked to see that he was arrested and I was also even more shocked to see how SNL was making fun of him like Colin Jost just called him that he was like laughing like oh it's so satisfying to see an internet troll get you know tackled on the sidewalk and he can't summon his the power of email or whatever I, I was just kind of taken back like I haven't really been following WikiLeaks or Julian Assange or anything like that. I mean, I pretty much know probably the basic level of information that the average person knows. Like, I know he's the founder of WikiLeaks, and I know, you know, he's continually continuing to release information that's dangerous and treacherous, whatever, but also he thinks it's in the good of the people overall. And it's, I mean, it's neither black or white. Um, but overall, I thought he kind of had this image, at least to the left wing, of being a hero. And so to see Colin Jost poke fun of him that way, I don't know, it just felt wrong. Like, I don't think that's funny. He's going to meet, like, a really fucking horrible end. We don't know, like, what he's going to be charged with. We don't know where he's going to be shipped off to. Now that he's in the hands of the U.S. and the U.S. is pissed, like, the government, I mean, they're going to torture him. Like, I don't even want to imagine what's going to happen to him. And so I don't think it's funny at all. Um, But yeah, I mean, thinking about him and thinking about Edward Snowden, just these guys that have, for some reason, put their life on the line to reveal this man behind the curtain of the government so I don't know there's just like more to it that I just it felt weird for it to be joked about on SNL that way it just wasn't real commentary I didn't respect it at all and the other thing I didn't really respect is like 
SNL poking fun at flat earthers. Like, I don't know. There's just so much weird shit going on in this world of ours that I just, I don't really find the typical humor, like the framework of humor to fit what is going on. I mean... I certainly do not believe the world is flat, but I just don't believe in throwaway jokes about flat earthers. Like, if something is becoming a more dominating presence, I don't know. We're we're li- we're just living in such a serious time that throwaway jokes don't at all speak to me anymore. And maybe I just need to stop watching SNL because I've kind of just been feeling weird about them for a while. Um, it's like they're leftist, but they're not, I don't know. It's, it's almost like they can't really pick a side, even though they're also being like provocative to Trump or whatever. But anyway, it's like commentary. That's not actual real commentary. (sighs) Well, I mean, speaking of kind of reviewing old structures, um, my my mom's childhood friend, um, he's someone that I call uncle. And funny enough, yesterday, Tuesday, he sent me an email and I haven't communicated with him since early March, but he sends me this article and I read it. It's by this author, William, oh shit, I'm like going to butcher this, Derezowitz, D-E-R-E-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z. And um, it's just like an uh, interview he did with The Atlantic back in 2014 when he, he was releasing his book, Excellent Sheep. And he's a East Coast Ivy grad, Ivy League grad. And um, so is my uncle, I believe. And so it's really interesting to see, I, I've watched my uncle kind of go through this midlife crisis of sorts, trying, just struggling to find a good place for his kids in in like the stilted Boston education system and um and now they've moved they've moved to you know middle America and he's trying to be just a lot more devout and creative in his fatherhood than the parenting he received and so it's really interesting to see that play out in in other people it's not just myself and talking with my friends, you know, there is like a lot of deeper thought going on. Um, and there's a lot of like, just weird, terrible news too. Like the, there was a crane in Seattle that collapsed. And I mean, maybe it's only because it's literally so close to home that it hits close to home. But I moved from Seattle and Seattle has, the sky has been littered with cranes since 2011, I want to say. Ever since like Amazon really picked up building all of South Lake Union. And this wasn't an Amazon building, it was actually a Google building. But nonetheless, uh, the wind was really gusty. They were trying to disassemble the crane probably due to like safety precautions of the wind. But it went horribly wrong. The crane just completely collapsed and 
killed two crane operators, killed two people in cars in the streets below, and also irreparably probably traumatized a lot of people, including like a mom and her baby who escaped and they're not dead and they're like probably barely physically injured, but I just feel so horrible for that baby. It's like the baby was four months old. I believe it was um, a girl baby. So this baby, she's not going to have any sort of memory whatsoever of this incident, but a crane smashing a car, I can only imagine how much that like rattled her mother, who's also going to raise her from this place of trauma now, and then rattled the baby who, you know, doesn't even know what the hell a car is or a crane is, but she's going to have this imprint of trauma with her for life. So it just called into question, even though it's been like a solid decade that all this crazy development has happened. Um, you know, people are, are really looking at the skies of Seattle a different way, this like crane littered sky. And they're wondering like, and what is this for exactly? Like, has it been great that tech has moved in in our city? It certainly drove me away back in 2013. Um, but we're also seeing it here where I'm at in, in Portland. So I don't know. Oh, and that's the other funny thing. So this William Derezwich, I'm so sorry. I'm like, can't pronounce names. Um, he, he's from New Jersey, but now he's living in Portland. And so I was, <laughs> I was saying to him, this is like a question I've been asking for years is like, I mean, I left Seattle, which really isn't that far away to go to Portland, but Seattle at that point, I mean, it's where I, you know, got my degree. It's where I started my career in corporate America and I thought I was doing what I should be doing. And then my Saturn return hit and it was like, fuck you and everything that you built because you didn't build it for yourself. And so I've been at square one for the last few years and yeah, I mean, Seattle to me, when I left, I just didn't really see it as anything else but this corporate, too too much corporate machine. Um, and especially back in 2011 when I watched the Occupy protests start, um, I was just starting my career in accounting and I was like sitting at my desk on like the 11th floor of Union Square building or two union and just watching people march the streets. And then the commentary that I would hear from my coworkers, I was just, I don't know, kind of appalled. Like they just made fun of them. They made fun of the fact that they drank Starbucks and wore Nike shoes, even though they were protesting big corporations and I don't know, I was sitting there at age 22 and I thought, you guys aren't listening. You guys aren't understanding if people are upset about something, it's because they're upset about something. Like, I don't understand the, uh, the knee-jerk reaction of just dismissing them outright. You don't even know who they are. You don't know their backgrounds. You don't know where they come from. 
Like, it was just weird to me. And to be pretty much the only person in that office to think that at age 22, it's like, yeah, I should have known at that point that I was not where I belonged. Um, and when I told people I was moving to Portland, they were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, excuse me, what does that mean? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean... Portland's definitely changed too, but it it is funny that these, yeah, these subversive creatives find themselves here and they're all from these other like hustling big cities. And I've been asking since probably 2013 or 2014, like how do we export Portland to the rest of the country? Like instead of having everyone find safe haven here how do we make the country a more thriving introspective place you know just all around I mean I hope that the movement is permeating enough that it is happening I guess I haven't really traveled around the country enough to know whether or not it is um and I would love to I would love to experience more of this country i I've been to Europe, I've been to Thailand, um, I, I still do want to go to, like, especially China, where my parents are from, I want to see, like, where they were raised, where they grew up, even though I've heard that a lot of it's just been, like, built out, so I've, I've missed my opportunity to see it even close to how it was, but China's building these kind of, like, super cities, and my grandparents were telling me about, like, a, a super train that, like it used to be it would take 10 hours to drive from one city to another and now you can take this train and be there within like three and a half hours or something insane like that so I mean I, I still do want to go to China I want to experience more of like I guess the east side of the world eastern culture um but in terms of Western culture, like Europe, New Zealand, Australia, I'm kind of over it. I was like super on that bandwagon. I wanted to move to the Netherlands at some point. But now I'm like, no, there's like so much great, interesting stuff in our home country. Like I would love to just see it more and talk to more people and 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 know about them. I mean, I, I do want to get my <laughs> own life and my shit together too, so... It's going to be a balance of putting myself out there and just staying at home and, and putting my head down and doing the good work. But yeah, just a lot of intense energy. That, that crane happening, like terrible accident. And then also on, on an even more personal level we found out that a friend's um, sister had passed of a pres accidental prescription thing and it's just like fuck I mean that's still happening this like opioid crisis and just abusing of prescription drugs in general um, our healthcare system you know and that that calls to question a lot of things it's like okay, how much, how much accountability do addicts have to take for them of themselves? How much does society have to take responsibility, their family, their friends? I mean, that's something that I've thought about a lot too. Like, 
I don't know. I, I had, um, a meal with a couple pharmacists one day and I just thought about it. It was just like, I mean, pharmacy was something I even considered because it's one of those, you know, successful careers where you don't have to go to all the schools, all the schooling to be a doctor, you know, and you can like tell yourself you're helping people because they need medicine. But do they? I mean, my parents pushed me to be a doctor and then ironically was like, they were very paranoid of Western medicine. <laughs> And it's like, well, I can't do that then. I can't do a career that I'm not passionate about and I don't truly believe in. I have never been motivated by money to like the chagrin of even myself. And I just, I'm at this point where I'm 30 some, I'm, I just turned 31 and I'm just like too jaded to like how the world actually works and what impact even like being a pharmacist could actually have that like I just I, I have no problem talking myself out of a myriad of <laughs> societally successful careers so I don't know what I'm gonna do here's me recording this podcast trying to find my own voice um but that sort of like individual accountability versus society accountability that's something we saw play out a lot in 2018 with like the me too movement and it's fascinating so i've talked about having north node in pisces right and north node is um i'm talking about the lunar nodes and so within astrology there's this concept of the moon is on a tilted orbital axis to like the sun's orbital axis to or sorry the moon is on a tilted orbital axis to the earth um, compared to the orbital axis angle of the earth orbiting the sun and so when the moon moon's orbit and like its movement crosses the ecliptic which is like this the earth's orbital axis to the sun that creates these lunar nodes and so when the the moon is going south and crosses the ecliptic that's the south node and when it's going north and crosses the ecliptic that's the north node and so north node is in a sign that you assume it's your life's purpose to embody the highest expression of that sign in this lifetime and then on the opposite end the south node you're assuming that you're coming from this karmic past where you need to heal from the very lowest expression of that sign in the south node. And so every little over a year or so, the lunar nodes change and that's, it dictates like what the solar and lunar eclipses are, are, are doing. Like we had a lot of lunar eclipses last year that oscillated back and forth between Leo and Aquarius and that's very much like Leo is the individual and the ego and self-ownership but then Aquarius on the other hand is the collective and society and so it was interesting to see those themes play out last year and then now in 2019 um, the lunar nodes have switched between Cancer and Capricorn which is like 
archetypally a lot of people have compared Cancer and Capricorn as like ultimate mother and ultimate stern father like Capricorn is very much like when I was your age I walked 15 miles to school uphill in the snow and Cancer is very much like the overly nurturing mother very empathetic you know you're always emotionally safe and coddled in her arms maybe a little too coddled and maybe you get away with a little bit too much and then Capricorn's like the overly stern iron hammer and of course these are very like gender stereotyped but um but that's kind of the energy so it's like we're exploring themes of how much of a heads down and like let's freaking put in the hard work that needs to be done sort of energy and then versus the how much energy do we need to give to hey let's take a moment and just like hold space for each other and really truly try to empathize deeply with one another and I agree with both I have a very Saturnian chart but I'm a Cancer moon and so deep down emotionally I'm I'm the ocean mother I guess and then but on the surface, I'm extremely, I crave that structure, whether it's old structure or finding new structures. And um, so it'll be an interesting year. It's supposedly a year to not go in excess, to really like live within your means. And I believe that. I don't, I don't think we can give to one another if we're always trying to achieve the next level of materialism or consumerism. I think living frugally and humbly will offer us a lot of space to thrive both like mentally and also materially. Like I would like to support more local artists. I would like to, you know, be able to catch up with friends over a nice picnic or whatever, like have, have more expendable cash that I can put into meaningful interactions. So, yeah, um, but that's what I like about astrology, like, especially what I'm talking about there was more evolutionary astrology specifically. There's all these different branches of astrology, and for evolutionary astrology, I really like the idea that, that we're not here to live and die in a vacuum. Like, you came here with things that you are naturally predisposed to do and are familiar with that's your south node but we're not here to just do what comes naturally we're we're not here to not struggle through new shit we're here to master new shit so yeah i mean yesterday i was driving my dog up from a vet appointment and like any other day i saw like a homeless person with her dog off a on-ramp to the highway and i thought about what I've read about survivor's guilt, like people surviving accidents. I thought about the student who was killed in the Seattle crane collapse. She, I read that she was in a car with her friend who was able to escape and how horrible that friend must feel like she's going to have survivor's guilt. But then I looked at this homeless woman and I'm like, I have survivor's guilt every day. I think we all do. That's why you know, 
staring at a homeless person is extremely uncomfortable. It's hard to like make eye contact, eye contact. It's hard to grapple with our emotions in that moment because we have survivor's guilt, because we know like that could have easily been us. At least that's what I think. Like I'm grateful for the upbringing as much struggle as I've been through with just my childhood. I mean, everyone has their individual struggle, but I'm grateful that I was raised in a family where my parents didn't drink. I'm grateful that they were always kind of like paranoid of medicine. Like I hardly ever reached for Advil. And so I would never use medication as like a means to solve my issues. I always want to take a more holistic approach. And I've done that with food. I'm, I've been gluten-free the last several years and it's not like, and, and you know what? Fuck it. Like, I don't know if I'm celiacs. I don't think I am, but going gluten-free has like drastically improved my quality of life because it forces me to avoid all this, this processed shit that's out there. And my gut health, especially being a cancer moon, I think cancer moon in the sixth house of like physical health. Um, I'm my, my emotional well being is very much tied to my gut health. And so that's been one thing that seems like so minor, but once I finally committed to it, cause I did cheat a lot and like made myself really, really sick. Um, once I committed to being gluten free, I mean, I used to have just horrible stomach issues since as early as I remember. I remember being like doubled over on the toilet as like a seven year old. So, um, I don't know what's making me sick. A lot of people are wondering that, like what is making us sick? So anyway, survivor's guilt. It's like, I don't know how homeless people become homeless. A lot of people like to make generalizations so that they can laugh it off or like somehow feel like they deserved it. Those people didn't deserve it. They don't deserve to be homeless. No one does. And I mean, I think people being born into homelessness or near homelessness happens a lot more often than we'd like to know. So there's a survival skill every day and it happens on different levels. So yeah, sorry guys, like really deep, dark stuff, but this is kind of like where my brain's been going lately and I wonder if anyone else has felt this. Um, but yeah, I just wanted, I wanted to address that. I wanted to even address the Twitter thing timely of like, that. I guess that guy was talking about Saturn stationing on the 29th. But I also just wanted to share these deep introspective thoughts I've had and and maybe hear about other people's deep introspective thoughts I'm already talking to a few friends about this and it's, it, it's just fascinating. Um, yeah, intense times. Well, at least the weather here in the Pacific Northwest is gorgeous. So through these like intense inner workings, if you're, if it's, if it's too much for you in a moment, like give yourself a breather and just look outside or even walk outside and appreciate how beautiful the the weather is today and appreciate nature and appreciate fresh air and drink some nice filtered water and just like 
nourish yourself that way. And then, yeah, I mean, if your mind goes into darker places, I mean, don't, I guess I don't, I don't want to encourage anything like, like, you know, helpless thinking, just more like deep introspective thinking. It's something that I do a lot and don't realize that maybe it's like a weird and uncomfortable thing for a lot of other people, but I definitely like encourage it for sure. And I hope you guys take care for the rest of this week. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. Here's a little outro music to play you out. If you enjoyed this, please keep listening and maybe subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to me on. And I'll see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.